0: let's see if this works yeah there we go all right we are connected how's it going it is going so good i haven't like let everyone know yet but we finally we found a home that we're moving to finding a place to live is is extraordinarily difficult nowadays it feels like
1: why do you think that i kind of feel the same way why do you think that's the case
0: i think we're more discerning um i think that we all have like criteria that we go through now when we think about moving to a place and i also think that everyone's moving and it's almost like there's a competition now um yeah and yeah and and it it does feel like there's more people and it feels like marginalized space like when i was a kid in the 80s i remember people selling their backyards my parents being like, that's crazy. They're going to build a house right up next to their house. Yeah. And now you go back to that area and that's all you see.
1: And now we're one generation removed from your parents. So it's just the norm because kids have been born into seeing the houses stamped out. And, you know, I really feel, I really feel passionate about this because I think people underestimate how much overpopulation is affecting basic human needs. Like making food so much more expensive, making shelter so much more expensive. And when your shelter is so expensive that it basically drains your bank account and your food is so expensive that going to the store becomes, you know, one of your largest bills of the month, how are you ever supposed to get ahead and survive in life? Um, especially if you're in the city.
0: That's, that's our reality. Our, our, reality, our biggest, our biggest expenses are food and and it, when we like reveal it to people, they're like, oh, well, you gotta make some compromises with your organic diet. And I'm like, like going to the people that are better than the organic stuff in stores. Well, that's usually more expensive. (laughs) It's exactly. I feel like those of us who are on this path of, of kind of learning and growing along with our bodies, along with nature, we're, we're coming up against these realities that almost people don't see, you know, mm-hmm. nowadays.
1: And the scary part is that people are being born into it. And so they'll never know anything different. They'll just assume this is how it's always been. They don't know that, you know, shelter and your house should be a human right and shouldn't have to drain you your entire life of money and food, like good, healthy, organic food, not the, not the stuff... On the store shelves that you know how many people buy an apple or a peach nowadays or an orange and it just it's not juicy it's not sweet and it doesn't taste like much but they eat it anyways because people say you're supposed to eat your fruit and they assume that's how all food and then they go to a farm one time and they taste somebody who's taking care of the soil and growing with compost and has some love for a tree it fruits i've had friends come to my old garden when i was living in arizona before and eat a salad from my raised beds, and eat fruit from my trees, and literally half an hour later, they're walking around my house completely high like they are like they just smoked a bunch of weed. And they're like, I am buzzed right now. And I'm like, that's because you've had 30 years, or 40 years, where you haven't had any nutrients in your body, and now, boom, I just gave you nutrients, and your body is thriving from it in just 30 minutes. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that the scary thing is, is that when when everything that should be a basic human right becomes too expensive and people accept it as the norm because they're too young to know anything different um, i think it's really scary honestly and that's you know why i'm trying to educate folks with my example of what we're doing trying to make it off grid this is the first time i've been in town in a week and a half and um, i don't have very i don't have very good cell signal out here because i'm pretty when I say go to town, it's a town of like 400 people. <laughs> and uh, there's one cafe that's got um, Wi-Fi. So I'm in my in my Prius outside the cafe, hoping the Wi-Fi is good enough for this uh, podcast here.
0: That's, you know, and that's always a concern when, when people go off grid is their connection to the world, whether through the internet or that local town. And I think that's also another thing. People want to be satellites on a city so that they can actually make money off of the, the people that are in the city, you know yep. whether they're growing food or whether they just feel like if things get really bad, I can get a job, commute to the job. And so, and so you, you look at those areas now and the surrounding areas from all those areas are now expensive. And yeah. so it's, it's really like you either go whole hog and go off grid and make your own shelter and Honestly, that's the only way to do it now. Uh, if you look at the rules for making a home uh, up to code in California, yes. that's a toxic recipe they're talking.
1: It's a toxic recipe. It's so, I, I, I built a home in Phoenix, which is the fifth largest city in the country. And then I also, I built out a commercial space for my martial arts uh, dojo from scratch. We had to build out a shell. The amount of, I don't want to use curse words on your show, but the amount of uh, BS that you have to go through with permits and inspectors and codes and, and just to make it compliant will bankrupt you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that the school system is all messed up in the city because nobody teaches you how to do any of that. You have to learn. You have to learn about it yourself through the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And that costs a lot of money and a lot of mistakes. So it's very challenging to get over the learning curve of learning how to build your own house, learning how to navigate the city structure. So what Nicole and I have chosen to do is um, buy raw land property in the rainforest of British Columbia, which is kind of like the Hawaii of Canada. It does get down to zero uh, uh, Celsius in the winter, but it doesn't really get below zero. So snowing in the winter is very rare. So we got raw land in this Canadian wilderness property, eight acres, And the the township that we're in doesn't require any permits or building codes. Um, So we kind of have the freedom to do, um, to build what we want to do. Um, They do want the structure to adhere to international building codes at the end, because in case you uh, sell the property in the future, a future owner, they want to have them be in a secure structure, but there's no permitting and no no, uh, BS you have to go through to build what you want. And you have freedom to build whatever you want. There's no, um, zoning laws with color or style or uh, whatever. So so we're doing compost toilets, we're doing solar panels, we're doing cob housing. And right now currently we're building a yurt. And then once we have the yurt, um, we'll have a living space so that we can go off and grow. And I can begin my second food uh, forest and garden to grow all the food that we need to survive locally on our property.
0: Now this yeah. is the biggest change. So many of us that are from the because you and I uh, started off in a very similar climate where temperatures can get well above a hundred Fahrenheit. And, You're in
1: California, right?
0: Uh, I'm actually secretly going back. I'm going back to California. Oh. Um, I haven't told anyone yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that like that that climate, it's you know it's so ridiculously hot that. It's so difficult, but people don't realize how shallow the winters are. It really allows you to have such a small time period where that farmer's market's out of commission. Um, And you, you can get through with hunger, got foods. There's a lot of things that can happen. And with a greenhouse, you can do extraordinary things. But so many of us, when we try to look for land, we move into the temperate zones and and you're totally right i've I've watched this awesome video where you talk about how you get supercharged by gardening in a desert climate Mm. and it really gives you all these extra skills but it it narrows things too when 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 winter comes in strongly and Mm. and are you how are you dealing with this because you are like me and many of us where we crave the fresh food we Mm. want we want that fresh food. We want that ability to walk outside and touch the plants and have that living food off that plant. And so how are you, how are you dealing with that? How are you uh, planning on adapting for that? Because I know it's, it's got a shallow winter there too, but it is temperate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who I don't actually, I've been vegan 18 years and I don't actually, which usually when you say you've been vegan, it means you're eating healthy, which is not always the case with a lot of vegans. But I've been a pretty healthy vegan, you know, the whole time. I just don't like eating healthy, <laughs> honestly. So gardening for me is really important because when I'm growing my own food, whether it's fruit or veg or herbs, I tend to graze a lot more. And where if I go to like a restaurant, I want the, I want the the sweet and oily and completely nutrient dense food, like the oily dessert, and I, I want that. But when I grow my own food, I tend to graze on the kale and on the on the on the Uh, moringa leaves and on the herbs that i the edible flowers and the Mm -hmm. fruits that are ripe. so when i can't grow my own food i do like to hit up the local farmers markets to at least support local small-time farmers who seem to if you get to know them seem to care more about the food and the plants than guys making a profit from it so i'd say if you're in the city definitely try to especially if you're in california definitely go to the most incredible farmer's markets in the world. But the first thing I noticed, like you said, when I moved up here to um, North Vancouver Island is that there aren't farmer's markets right now because it's, we moved here in February and that's wintertime. And like the store has mangoes on the shelves. And I'm like, why are there mangoes on the shelves out here? And I bought one mango and tried it and it was the worst mango I've ever had. And um, so there is a, like a food uh, desert Mm -hmm. even though now we're not in the desert, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what my goal is, is I moved here in the winter so that there'd be uh, time for me to build infrastructure with the yurt and the garden so I can then grow all summer um, and start to can and dehydrate and jar and freeze dry. So that's my goals is people that live in these temperate zones Um, tend to be very good at canning and jarring, dehydrating, freezing, um, and doing all that to preserve your fresh food over the winter time. So we're going to be doing that in spade. We're going to be having a smokehouse. We're going to be doing sun-dried dehydration and doing a lot of canning and jarring coming up um, so that all the stuff we grow, we can eat all winter long.
0: This is huge. I don't know of any, like when, when we do vegan canning food preservation, there's a big blank, and this is huge. Really? Yeah.
1: What yeah. do I mean so, by that?
0: What I mean by that is that this is an uh, this is you're blazing new territory. You're finding mm. stuff that 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 is a, an area of great need because mm. I I know so many people that you know when they when they are thinking vegan they are thinking fresh and so they have to go to that store they have to buy that foreign food because they got to get my juicing in yeah. and so they've got this preconceived notion and you're once again, breaking, breaking, uh, you know, new territory.
1: You know, I, I don't try to do that, but I'm, <laughs> I really appreciate the compliment. I, I like that. So thank you for saying that.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe we should talk a little bit about that. So your life yeah. really um, online, um, really, it ties in with being physical, ties in with, with something that's really near and dear to my heart, which is Qigong. And mm-hmm. I do yoga, which Qigong is... Yeah, I I absolutely do.
1: What I, kind of qigong do you practice? Um, do you, does it name is it name something or just qigong?
0: Um, I I can't remember all the names. I tend to just study a lot, so I do the thing where you're doing the knuckles and you're doing down up, and then you're switching yeah. to the, the open palm and then you're doing the
1: slap. There, it's they usually call that uh, marrow uh, washing or lohan tapping. One of okay, the okay,
0: that's the word I forgot. And then and, and and so I do that. And then I, I try to always remember before going to bed to gather my energy. I do the um, uh, yang chi, you know, visualizing the yellow releasing. Yeah. Um, it's actually it's changed everything for me. Brendan Burchard showed me this like simple like uh, slap going towards the heart version of qigong, yeah. you know. And I was traveling so much at that time period that I got so sore and I hated traveling. But as soon as I started obeying my hourly Qigong routine and just just priming, nothing deep, just just slapping, you know, I stopped being sore. And suddenly I was able to just be a less irritated person. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, and, it's amazing that um, this is not along the lines of gardening, but it's something that I've done my whole life. It's near to my heart is the martial arts. And when you join a martial arts class and you learn how to spar and how to actually go to combat with another human being. Um, It's very powerful in many ways. So like if you go to a martial art class where they actually still train you how to fight each other, um, it's very empowering to get your butt kicked. And that sounds like an oxymoron, but it really is. If you go and you learn as a human that I can kick somebody else, I can punch somebody else, and I can evade somebody else, I can knock somebody down, and I could be knocked down, but I know how to fall. These skills make it so when you go off into the world you're so much less stressed because mm. first of all all your energy went into that sparring match so it's very uh physically tough and second of all you just walk around with less uh fear and more confidence that you can kind of handle anything because the people you see walking past you they didn't go and spar or fight somebody 10 minutes ago but you did and it just it's very empowering to join a martial arts club And then the Qigong is like the combat solo practice. You're making contact to your body. You're breathing, meditating, and moving in a way where you're training your body not only externally but also internally. So you get this confidence that radiates through you from the inside. And what I would do for you is I would definitely go check out any kind of Qigong called the Eight uh, Brocades and learn the eight uh, brocades, very famous um, style of Chinese qigong and also go research the five animal play. There's a famous Chinese uh, doctor who lived uh, thousands of years ago named uh, Hua To. And Hua to took five animals of longevity and paired them up with the five major organs of our body. And there's a series of qigong postures that you do based off the animals that's part of the Hua To's five animal play. That's two very powerful kind of qigong you should check out.
0: Wow, yeah, that's incredible. Thank you so much. I will, I will study that. And so I started off doing judo and ski racing. My seventh grade roommate was in the last ski racing. I, I, I'm a competitor. I love this stuff. Nice.
1: I love. We should definitely. You should. You should come to Whistler. We should go skiing because I've been skiing since I was two years old. I love it.
0: Me too. Me too. I've been to those two <laughs> racing since I was six. I my nice. brother used to race in uh, in the summers in Whistler because in Vermont the mountains were all green. Yeah, that you got to come visit us out
1: here on the island, and we'll take a Whistler trip.
0: Yeah, you know we uh, we have friends on the uh, on uh, Vancouver Island uh, the the Robinsons. I don't know if you know them um but they're an amazing family uh they're a mm. permaculture family and we 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 we've actually had several trips uh, that we m- meant to go up there so we will make sure that happens that'd be great so so getting back to to the martial arts progression i found it absolutely incredible for me because i went sort of inverse of 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 the progression that you talked about so i became a musician. I went to New York City, started smoking cigarettes. I you know, mm. got you know, into heavy drinking, and I basically was um, a mess compared to physically where I was when I was a teen. I I see. Was, and I was comp- competing with my fingers physically, you know, as a musician and jumping mm. around. But um, by the time I was in, uh, I, I started getting into permaculture and gardening, I was pretty weak. Uh, and like,
1: just like mentally or physically, just physically weak,
0: I th- I would say probably both. And I I just started feeling this 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 vigor come back to me and this desire to move, like start to start to come up into me, and then it it led me to yo- doing yoga daily. Then it led me to qigong, and now I'm 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 doing like things I never did as a kid. I'm doing like pull-ups every morning. I'm, I'm, nice. I'm meditating for an hour every day. And I feel like the garden inspired it and brought wow. me back to all these things that I knew who I was earlier on in my life. And it's, and it's interesting that you're, from, your, from the video that I saw with you, you went from the physical world, the competitive world, the, the meditative connected world, and then brought it and found the guard from there. Maybe you could articulate some of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that, you know, if I was a human being watching this, whoever's gonna be watching this video with us, I would do three things. So, number one, I would do push ups every day, try to get over 100 push ups in a day at least. Um, like if I go for a run for 20 to minutes to an hour, I'm always doing 150, 200 push ups during the run, like, t- like in sets of 20 so i'll run a little way 20 push-ups keep running 20 push-ups and get to 100 and 150 okay so do over 100 push-ups a day try to get in over 25 uh, pull-ups a day at least and then get out in nature for a good part of the day and if you because getting out in nature will make the meditation happen you'll just start breathing deeper you'll the trees and the ebb and flow of nature the wind and the sounds And if you get out in nature and it's raining, all that stuff has to happen because it will just subconsciously um, make you enlightened without you even, you you don't have to sit on a bed and meditate because somebody told you to get out in nature. Nature will teach you for you. So do those three things every day and physically you'll be super healthy. Push-ups, pull-ups, and nature. I think that's really important. But then for me, um, uh, money was a big part of what got me into gardening because I had been vegan at that time for about eight years when I first began to garden intensively in the desert in Arizona. And I bought this house that had a huge backyard for the city. I mean, when the houses were all together, you know, wall to wall together, my backyard for some reason was about a third of an acre. And the house didn't sell because people were afraid of this big giant backyard lot. And I was like, well, this is cool because I want to, I want to have some plants and um, this yard is like a blank canvas for me. Um, and the reason why I wanted plants is because I thought as a vegan person, I don't want to be bringing a cow into the backyard and slaughtering it in the city, but a vegan person can grow an apple tree and slaughter the apples and it's much cleaner than slaughtering a cow. You know. So I thought, how cool would it be if I bought this property and then my number one uh, bill for the month is my food bill. This is in 2010. And my food bill is easily over $1,000 a month. Easily, because I eat a lot as an athletic guy. And I just don't know how anybody is eating food for less than 1500 bucks a month. I don't know how they're doing
0: it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We feel (laughs) guilty on some level, but it's like my son eats so much food and he's growing an inch every two months. It's like,
1: that's crazy. And you are an athletic guy. You eat so much food and you, and you probably are thinking like, God, I mean, I would love to eat a lot more of this produce. It's just going to break me this month financially.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly exactly why why I started growing.
1: Yeah. And that's the same way to me. I'm like, what if, like the most expensive things I'm buying is eating out at restaurants and the produce, the fruits and the veg I'm buying. The cheap stuff is like, I mean, I don't want to say cheap, but like the pasta and things like that. You can buy cheap pasta. I would encourage you guys to make your own pasta or buy organic, but I mean, people are eating cheap food because they don't have the money. So I heard my thing. I thought, what if I can get in this backyard and I can grow a pomegranate tree or grow a date palm or grow an orange tree, and then I have all the oranges I need in my backyard during orange season, and I have all the palms in my backyard during pomegranate season, and so on. So I planted like 20 fruit trees, which, which turned into like 300 fruit trees on this uh, third of an acre, and they were all, they were all uh, fruiting and living great over that eight-year period in symbiosis with each other it was they created like this underground uh web of communication where they were starting to grow healthily on their own without me doing anything i just had to keep putting the wood chips on the ground and keep layering the wood chips to keep the the organic um, uh, material i had to create the forest floor and if i just kept doing that the trees loved it the first two years were hard but after year three, the trees began to talk with themselves and did the work for me. So then I had papayas and I had a bunch of dates and I had, um, I had guavas and, and mulberries and moringa powder for protein and apricots and jujubes and cactus fruits. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, my food bill would go, or sorry, my water bill for my house would go up a dollar. Or let's say my let's say my water bill went up a dollar, my food bill would drop by two dollars. So even though my water bill would be you know hundreds of dollars more per month, my food bill was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, less per month. Plus the food I'm eating is ripe, right grown in my environment, and the soil is beyond organic. So. I think your goal as a human needs to be to get out of the apartment and get a little bit of land, a little bit of front and backyard and then fill that front and backyard full of gardens and fruit trees and grow as much as you can because it'll lower your food bill, increase your health bill. And ultimately it will lower your medicine bill. You have, as you get older, you'll get sick less and live stronger and healthier and longer. So the last thing I'll say about this meant not to get long winded, but, um, in the martial arts, you're trying to spar and do push-ups and pull-ups and all these uh, kata, and we we call them uh, Tao Lu in Chinese martial arts, so that you get stronger and you get the muscles and you get flexible and you like have this Bruce Lee type of body. But then you meditate and you do Qigong to train the inside, train the spirit. And what we call, you know, um, what we call the Tian, like the heaven of the inside, the organs. But then you have to remember that even the strongest person who can punch the hardest and is the best at fighting can drop of a heart attack instantly. And I've seen some martial artists who I respect and who are so strong in beast mode. But then the minute that that one little artery or vein or aorta gets clogged, it's stroke, it's heart attack, they're done. And um, it cripples them. So you have to remember that the real martial arts is what you're eating because 99% of us will never have to spar somebody in real life, but everybody is gonna get older. And the fight is right now with, are you putting healthy organic things from nature in your body? And that's what gardening is all about for me. So gardening for me has been the martial arts of the inside for me.
0: That is amazing. I, oh, I feel that so strongly. My wife and I talk about this all the time. My wife's had cancer six times now. No and, way.
1: Wow. I can't believe that.
0: Yeah. And we're actually working with a doctor that understands why. And mm. we're in the process of stopping it from so keep continuing to be a cycle. But this idea. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah. Well, when we figure it out, we share. So we can, we can, we can make it a blessing in other people's lives. Yeah. But we we talk about it. It's like every year that we don't get back into shape, we don't get into our peak physical state. It becomes way harder. And after forty, because we're approaching forty, mm-hmm. um, and after forty, it's like it, it's exponentially harder every single year. And so for many of us, um, I, I, I had, we we didn't have the privilege of growing up with with uh, with being athletic, and so. I get to have all those, those memories and bring them back and everything and relive these things. And, and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm contacting my, my old coaches and stuff, causing all these things to trigger and making me feel extra motivated as I share gratitude with them. And uh, most people don't have that. And so this is incredibly important. I hope that people subscribe to your channels. You've got multiple you. channels, which is really bold. I mean, most people bust out <laughs> those channels and you're, uh, are the, the sections in the, the one YouTube channel you created all these different accounts. Me? Well, the
1: the um the economy of two thousand and eight two thousand and eleven really hit me hard. I mean, I lost everything. I lost a marriage. I lost um, my commercial space. I lost my house, my car, and all my friends because I had a falling out with my um my teachers and business partners. And so I really had a I had a hard time during that three or four year period, and it became really hard financially to make it in the world. Um, and I would. Ch- everybody don't believe what the stats tell you and whatever country you live in if they say unemployment is down we're doing really well well the people who are employed are having to work more hours for a job they don't necessarily love for for a lot uh, like for fewer dollars
0: yeah and, and then it's an inflated market
1: and then and everything is more expensive yeah. so the problem is that it's kind of like modern day slavery where we don't have slaves in chains, where, in, in chains that we're whipping, but we have people that are um, they're trapped. They're trapped because if they don't work their job, they can't feed their family, and they love their family. Yeah. So they have to work a job, which is, which is very, very challenging, and it's very, very uh, bold of them just to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything's so expensive, and you have to work more hours to keep the job. So I think that... We have to get to a point as a society where we, we realize that we have to have people making more for the hours they put in because I'm really afraid that in um, 20 or 30 years from now, we're going to have a whole generation of people getting to 60 or 70 years old with no savings and who's going to take care of them. I
0: know. And
1: I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but that just, that just scares me where people are not going to have um, the ability to take care of themselves after the age of 60 because they've always been living paycheck to paycheck their whole life.
0: And none of us can own land. I mean, none yeah. of us, like, like, we always have to get a mortgage nowadays. It's like no one knows a family guy who's 31 who just bought a farm and, you know, yeah.
1: it's like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Think about this, if you're, if you're in your mid-30s uh, and you buy a house and you got a 30-year uh, mortgage, You're going to be in your mid-60s when you pay that off, if you pay it off. And the bank is usually betting on you defaulting and then getting the property back. So they want you to pay it off because they want that interest, but they also want your property. They they want to have both. They, they, They want it all. So your goal is to pay off the property, right? So 65 years old, you got it paid off now. But you had to work doing something nine hours a day, maybe 10 hours a day your whole life just to pay that mortgage bill. And now you're 65. And I know people out there get home and they're exhausted because to work 10 hours a day to work a job, to feed your family and provide for your family that takes all your energy out of you, you get home and you just got to rest for an hour or two. You're like exhausted mentally, spiritually, and physically. So then you don't pursue other artistic skills. So then when you get to be 65 years old, you don't have, you know, half a dozen other skills because you spent too much time just working that job and getting that money for your family. So now you're 65 and you don't have anything else that you can do because you put all your effort into sleeping and into recovery and into working that job. So now what are you going to do? You don't have, you know, the amount of skills to keep being active in society and you're in a scary position. So I say, if you're whatever age you are right now, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you have to, you have to fight to learn some skills and skills like art or engineering or Science or um, uh, foreign language—things that humans are always going to need—so that when you get to be fifty, sixty years old, you've got multiple eggs in the basket. Because when the economy crashed in 08, 09 and 2010, I only had one skill: it was martial arts. That's all I did. I had I had a full-on school with five thousand a month of overhead, and I lost my egg. You know, like my egg cracked, and I had no other eggs in the basket. So. You have to get multiple eggs and multiple baskets. And that's why I have multiple YouTube channels and multiple other things working. So I have, like, I can garden, I can do physical fitness or yoga or martial arts. Now I'm doing a lot in uh, video uh, creation and, and production and editing and social media. So I speak a couple of foreign languages like Spanish and Chinese. And I'm trying to travel the world so I can, you know, be more cultured and learn about people. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm far from perfect, but I do think the goal, your goal, everyone's goal should be is to learn skills right now because everybody's always gonna need skills. And the one skill you use for your job is not enough. You gotta learn other skills too.
0: Yeah, and the skills that we learned in you know high school and college were all administrative for those jobs.
1: Oh, I hate that. Like, there was a guy that, um, one of the neighbors at the property I'm living at, he lives a few acres away and he just put out a post saying, you know, he showed a college student graduating with, graduating with a bachelor's degree who has $80,000 to 100000 in debt and compared it to – and, and the, the, the degree was in, like, English uh, literature or something like that, which they don't have a job lined up. Compared to somebody who did an, a paid apprenticeship for welding who now has been making money the whole time they're apprenticing, and they now can make 80000 or more a year uh, welding for any company. And yeah. they have no debt. So, yeah. who's who's better off in life when they're twenty-six: the welding person or the college graduate person?
0: I I feel very <laughs> very lucky and, uh, that I don't have that, that I don't have student debt uh, because I went to NYU and it was oh I see. a year wow yeah. yeah. so I'd be in real trouble <laughs> mm, okay. it actually made me a really good English teacher because That's I could good. I could hold up nyu's price tag and then hold up my current earnings which are public right in the county so the kids can look up and see how much i make wow. and So it's like is this a good decision and everyone in the yeah. class is like why are you a teacher here you're not making enough money
1: <laughs> like and how long like- you work for to pay off that debt you know if you if you had it racked up
0: yeah, and all, of the, and all the students were looking at that as uh, I'm either going to go to the military, I'm either going to debt, or I'm skipping college, or I'm going to trade school. So showing that really instilled what you're talking about. In my students, when I was a high school teacher, I got in so much trouble. People were planning on being lawyers, and then they figured out like how they have to be number one of number one of number one of the schools they wanted to go to already. Mm. And, and then th- they would have debt for those schools until they were almost 40 and they're like so I don't like get any freedom until I'm like almost 40 so I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's
1: crazy. Can I tell you a story really really quick? Yeah. So this little town that I just moved to um we have 8 acres here it's a small community and um there's 30 people that live there year round and mm-hmm. um they all have me about 10 acres them, them themselves and a lot of them lived there their whole life. So this community was founded um, in the 1800s by, by uh, Norwegians. And think about this, okay? These Norwegians were in their country and the Canadian government came to them at the time and they knew that they needed to have people growing food. Hmm. So they went to these Norwegian uh, uh, farmers and said, if you come to North Vancouver Island, Canada, we will give you all this land for free. You can have all this land for free. They give them probably uh, thousands of acres. They said, we will put up the money to build an infrastructure of dirt roads between whatever you want to do for infrastructure. And you guys can create your own uh, bylaws. So you're living by your own laws out there on the, in the township. And we'll also build a dock, uh, a government uh, wharf, so you can accept um, ships and that sort of thing coming in because it's, it's boat access only community. Like to come to town, I have to get in my boat and I have to boat for uh, half an hour to get to my Prius, which is stocked at a, at, a, at a pontoon plane yard and then get in the car and drive 20 minutes more to get to the town. So wow. imagine being, imagine if somebody, if you're watching this right now, came to you and the government of whatever government, let's say government of Ecuador or Mexico came to you and said, hey, we need food. You know how to garden. We will give you a thousand acres of land for free We'll build you infrastructure for free. Uh, we won't charge you taxes on money. We just want you to provide, we just want you to create a bunch of food that goes into the system. And you can create your own laws. Would you go for it? Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what should be happening. But what's, what's happening to people is they're being trapped in a city where they're trapped by the mortgage, trapped by the debt, trapped by the bills. And, you know, they're great people, but. I just believe there's another way to live. And so let's, let's stay positive. Think about these Norwegians who got the deal of a lifetime. They had to move from their homeland, but they got a beautiful new homeland with all this free stuff and freedom. It's very powerful. So I'm trying to create a life on my eight acres, kind of like that, where I'm living off the grid. I'm trying to grow my own food, build my own house and exercise these human rights of shelter and food and do it very cheaply with no debt. I'm trying to, learn from my credit card mistakes in 2008 and I don't have a credit card anymore. I don't do anything with debt. I just pay for it if I have the money for it and that's it. And I think for me, that's, that's the answer is getting some land, growing your own food, being uh, debt free and then using your leisure time to acquire more skills that will help you in the future.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. <clears throat> that, I, I completely agree and I think that I think that it's kind of like the writing's on the wall and most people, you know what I mean, who are in positions like we are are really trying to skill up as fast as possible. I I don't know how many online courses I've I've taken in the past year.
1: <laughs> well, there's a there's another guy you should, if you're interested in in uh, Qigong, you probably have dabbled in some in some uh, Tai Chi. Have you tried some Tai Chi?
0: No, but I want to.
1: <clears throat> okay, so there's there's a book you have to get called um uh, what's it called? I'm my name. It's called The Master of the Five Excellence. No, it's called The Web That Has No Weaver. Is that right? No, it's called There Are No Secrets. I'm sorry. That's three different books right there. All three of those books are really good, but There Are No Secrets. <clears throat> oh, it's so, so awesome. So, two books There Are No Secrets, and the second one is uh, Masters and Methods.
0: Masters and Methods.
1: These are books written in the 70s by a martial art guy who went to China and studied with different martial artists and lived with them and studied with different martial artists and when he found the tai chi master whose name is uh, chen man ching he ended up coming from taiwan to america and he taught tai chi here he was a he believed in the master of the five excellences everybody he said should become the master of the five excellences and you have to think about what are your five excellences what are the five things that you are excellent at what are the five things that you're a master of? And I think that whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, or 80 years old or, or, or older, you need to ask yourself, do I have five things that I am a master of? And if you don't, go out and get it. Um, so for me right now, I'm trying to do gardening as one of my five things. Uh, Chinese language is one of my five things. I love speaking Mandarin and studying the written uh, Mandarin. Uh, three is the martial arts. I just love the martial arts uh number four is gonna be music this year i'm gonna try to get into music and learn how to play i i did some piano and as a kid but i wanted to get back into guitar and piano so that's my fifth excellence and uh i'm on my own journey so what are your five excellences ask yourself this all the time and i think that's a really healthy way to live so learn from the tai chi masters tips (laughs) you know
0: wow and you know so much of this is is the the neglected part of permaculture that it's the same size as all the other spheres, but it's the people care. Mm. And, oh, man, I really hope that everyone subscribes to your channels, checks out these books, and <laughs> really takes us on board. Because it, it the life learning challenge, the growth mindset, has j- the joy. It has the reward. It has the meaning and purpose in it. Everything else is, is the watered-down distraction life and the irritation life. Mm. So mm, thank you so much for inspiring us to, to follow you along this path.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for giving me a platform to um, talk about this a little bit. I've been kind of a recluse last year and a half and um, I haven't done many of these. So I, I enjoy talking like this and thanks for the platform. And if folks subscribe to us right now, they'll see uh, Nicole, my girlfriend and I on two different YouTube channels. One is called vegan athlete, like my hat says. And the second one is called uh, living off grid with Jake and Nicole, or if you just search for Jake and Nicole on YouTube, On both channels, we're uh, we're showing how we're building our yurt, which is like a Mongolian teepee, step by step. And then once the yurt is built, we're gonna live in there as we uh, start clearing the forest for sunlight, for fruit trees and a garden. Because our eight acres is literally like literally full to the brim with a third generation. uh forest that was grown after the log cutters came in and, and chopped the logs down so we got 50 year old trees that are big but what that ha- what happens when humans plant it it becomes over planted to the nines so it's just like it's like dreadlocks in there so we're having to basically go in there and uh thin out a 50 year old forest which is harder than thinning out tomato plants or something like that yeah so, so once the shelter is up People are going to see Nicole and I not only build the inside of the yurt, but also how we're going to manage uh, Pacific Northwest uh, rain uh, forest that's overgrown to the nines with all different kinds of alder and hemlock and native trees in this area. So it's going to be exciting. And we got bears and wolves and cougars lurking all around. We've already had bears come into our camp three times. And uh, it's only April, May. So we got... (laughs) We got to get some infrastructure started but um it's a fun journey and nicole and i love to share so come on over and check it out
0: absolutely yeah i think everyone should be watching because this is what we ultimately in permaculture have always been heading towards which is that off-grid life Mm -hmm. which is that natural home that natural structure and having that deep connection and 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 close connection with nature
1: you know I was vegan since the age of 19. Um, uh, 37, So 18 years of being vegan. But I've for a, such a long time, I thought that being vegan is the best way to live as far as healthier body. But what's kept me vegan is I've been really into the environment, saving resources through a vegan diet and saving the animals through a vegan diet, because yeah. the only way to really be vegan is to die and let your body decompose back into the earth. <laughs> but, but if you're going to be alive, I want Personally, I want to live as low-impact a life as possible. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to, I mean, I'm driving a Prius, so I, I am driving a car which uses gas, but at least it's 50 miles a gallon, and I bought it used for $6,000, and it's a 2005 with 300,000 kilometers on it. So, I mean, I'm trying to do my best, and I, I, have a, I have a bicycle I use most of the time, and I drove an electric car before that, and my, my van is, we're going to, coming up on my YouTube, is going to be converted to run off of vegetable oil that's used, so that's going to be cool.
0: That's amazing. But so my, my, my whole
1: point is, is that um, uh, moving out here to this very off-grid and rural location in the British Columbian rainforest at the southern end of the Great Bear rainforest, 70 plus inches of rain a year. It's, it's, like, it's basically like the Hawaiian Islands, but 15 degrees cooler in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a vegan person in the city, I would eat 100% vegan diet. I mean, I would eat the vegan hot dogs, the vegan burgers, produce from farmer's markets, grow my own food in my garden. Um, when I go out to eat, I eat vegan and everything. But yeah. being out here, I, I, start to re, I start to think about what if you go and harvest clams or you go and pick some mussels or you go and drop a cage in the ocean and get some prawns or crab or you throw a fishing line or a spearfish or you go under the ocean yourself and you spearfish, which is very sustainable to spearfish because you don't have any – you're only killing that, that, that only that one fish at a time, not a net that's and hurting it's other animals. so
0: horrific. The, the fish that we catch represent like a thousand other things.
1: Yeah, and so many popular vegans this year so far have made public videos of them falling off the vegan uh, uh, lifestyle like Ravana, Tim Sheaf, uh, Bonnie, Rebecca. These very popular vegan people have said, I'm not vegan anymore. I'm going to eat fish and eggs. But not one of them, not one of them, has then take you out in their backyard and shown you, here's the chickens I adopted, and I love them, and they just produce the eggs for me every day. It's gonna be my own pets that I love, I'm gonna eat their eggs. Not one of them has said, let me take you into the ocean and show you how I'm harvesting my own clams and mussels and I'm fishing for myself. It's always like, I'm buying fish and eggs from the store. Yeah. And I'm like, why, I mean, I like being vegan for the sustainability and the animal protection. But if you're going to live off-grid, isn't it better for the environment to go off that day and catch a fish for your family's food or harvest some mussels for your own family? Not to sell and make a profit or turn it into a business, but just for your own family so that you don't have to pay for stuff to be shipped anymore. You don't have to pay for stuff to be packaged in plastic and bullshit anymore. You You can go out there and literally live at one with the planet, grow fruit trees, grow a garden but also catch your own food and live hundred percent off grid. Meaning that day, all the food you ate was provided captured and harvested and grown by you. Yeah. I have, I have this question for your viewers and you to think about, you know, which one is actually a lower impact and more compassionate because if you're buying a bunch of bread from the store, that acreage that grew that, that wheat for that bread killed thousands of animals
0: and prevented so them I, from actually coming back too.
1: Yeah, it decimated the, their, their home. So isn't it better for us to go off into the forest and try to create a, a shelter and a life that's at one with the native plants and the native permaculture around you. And then as sustainably as possible, go harvest and, and pick and grow and uh, gather and maybe hunt for your own food for your family, isn't that a more sustainable way to live compared to being vegan in the city and buying everything, shipping it across the world, a, a decimating land for even for plants to grow? This is the spiritual questions I'm asking myself and my YouTube audience right now, and people, wow. seem, to really, people seem to think about it a lot, so I don't know. It's not a question to be answered here, but a question to be pondered and and to think about, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, mm, yeah, for for me, the second that, yeah, that we start taking life for granted, we no longer have the right to interact with that life.
1: Uh, That's a very powerful statement, yeah.
0: And so I felt really strongly that And I've also felt really strongly the more research I've done, that fungi and plants are very intelligent. Matt,
1: this is something that you and me have in common. Oh my God, please say that more often because people who are vegan trying to protect animals that don't, and if they don't grow a garden intensively, they have no idea that trees and plants and herbs are equally as alive as us. And when I tear a carrot out of the ground, I feel the same way as if I take a crab out of the ocean, you know. They're both alive. That carrot has veins and life, and I just, I just pull it right out of the, out of the ground.
0: Yeah, and this and, is I mean, part of the reason why I'm a seed gardener, actually. I want them to be able to live their full cycle in life and to grow old and have yeah. children and, and participate with all the other life around it, you know.
1: And people that that don't garden, they don't think about that. And um, I challenge folks to ask themselves, too, what defines a living thing? You know, if you – oh, here, I'll tell you one thing. About a month and a half ago, one part of my YouTube video was I had to clear a space for the yurt because there's – I mean, literally, you can't even walk into my property because there's so many trees and alders and salmonberry bushes and, and crap that you can't even get into it. So we had to chainsaw our way in. Whoa. and uproot and one scene it showed me chopping down a tree and i got a, whole, a ton of trolls in the comments just going crazy over the fact that i would cut a tree down and <laughs> these are the same people that say we should be vegan and not kill animals and i'm like well as a vegan you're hurting the plants too you're you're eating the potatoes and the garlic and the onions and the carrots that you have to kill to eat So just by, did we not watch the movie The Lion King where Mufasa says we're all part of the great circle of life, you know? Yeah. And the goal is like, if you are going to kill a crab or a carrot, whether you're going to be vegan or not, at least do it in a sustainable way yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Eat the whole thing and compost the rest because then you're creating as much as you're destroying and you're part of the great circle. But I think the problem comes when people go to McDonald's or when they go to other um, corporate-driven food things in the city and they're supporting the bastardization of food production, whether it's animal agriculture or plant agriculture, I think that there's so many people, now we're back to our overpopulation, We're so many people in the world that how are you supposed to live in the city and buy food without being part of the decimation of the planet, vegan or not? so maybe we have to solve overpopulation problems first. And if that's the case, then maybe for next time, should Nicole and I have kids or not? That's another question.
0: Well, there's actually, there's the same, I mean, the youth population of the world has actually stabilized. And we're not having more children. It's just the fact that we're all um, being able to grow older. That is, uh, that is pushing yeah. it. And so for the next 100 years, at some point in the next 50 to 100 years, we're going to see peak human is what they're I saying, and um, yeah, I mean, most of my friends are having their first child now, and they're mm. almost 40, and that basically guarantees they'll have one, maybe two children, and that mm. means our population is just going to go like that
1: pretty rapidly. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Nicole and I are 10 years apart. She's 10 years younger than me, and, and she would like to have a baby, and I would too, but I don't have any yet, and I'm 37 years old, so I mean, let's say that we do have kids. We're not going to have like six kids, you know? I mean, we might have one or two. So, I mean, and I've been in other relationships before, Nicole, that the person didn't want to have any kids. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women nowadays, I know, don't want to have the kids like their moms did. Mm-hmm. And um, we're kind of headed toward a society that is reminiscent to the one in the movie Idiocracy, where the people who are smart and capable are not having the kids. It's true. And... The people who are undereducated and struggling are having the kids. So a lot of people in my YouTube audience have actually are important to me as a human because I get to hear opinions from a lot of people in the YouTube comments. I get over, I get multiple thousands of comments a day on my videos and I read a lot of them. And a couple, a lot of people say, hey, Jake, you should have kids because financially and experience wise and, um, just goals wise you and nicole can raise some of the best humans if you guys had the kids yeah and you would raise them to be the stewards of the planet in a healthy way for the next gen the next generation and they're they're right i mean i would be having kids because you know i would want to have them help the planet (laughs) i mean anyways we're getting off topic here but well,
0: it's, I, I see it as totally on top of it because so many um, families want this, but then they struggle to create a congruency. And so then yeah. their kid's 16 and the kid wants to go and be a Kardashian. And you're like, but,
1: but the garden, ah!
0: And yeah. it's because they didn't go, in many ways, they didn't go all the way into that. And I think if you, I mean, if you, raise, if you raise children in an off-grid permaculture setting, there's this incredible, and I've been able to interview some people who have actually been raised by permaculturists. Mm, I see. And, and they think, like way further on down the line, it's like we're like talking about swales, we're talking about garden beds. They have these like concepts where they're doing beds in trios and there's a rotation pattern.
1: They're and, like on to the next level.
0: Yeah, it's like, whoa, you're really dialed in. They're like, yeah, I guess they kind of just, soaked it up as a child and then we had a market garden and it's like okay and it's like if we can just get more of those kids who are like basic they're basically compared to us they're they're geniuses um absolutely yeah and, and so it's like if we just get these kids who are fluent in all this stuff that we're just learning in many ways we're going to see such shifts and such just really I The way I see it is rhetoric. I see these kids just being able to explain and articulate why it's so important. You know, in my course, I have a lot of vegans who take my courses. And Mm. I have a lot of people who are survivalists and hunters who take my courses. And there's a lot of, and I always try to show the spectrum. I always try to honor everyone. Um, And... I always bring up the idea that if you are actually taking, if you are actually taking this on, if it's actually an animal you raised from a baby and you Mm. love, and you can't bring yourself to harvest it for your food, then there's a conversation you need
1: to have within. Absolutely.
0: And 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 like an understanding, and and most people are like, oh, I never could slaughter an animal. It's like, well, that sounds like maybe you shouldn't be eating it.
1: Yeah, but then, but then a lot. I mean, ninety nine percent of those people go out and buy chicken in a package, or they or they buy a burger once in a while, and they're not like the the meat. I mean, all all food that's packaged up, it's almost designed to disassociate you from the process it took to get it to that package and to your plate. Yeah, it's a dehumanizing. So what I want to see, what I, yeah, what I want to see is these vegan people. Like, let's say a vegan person is going to stop being vegan. That's fine, but I want to see them tell me, well, you were vegan for what reason? Because you wanted to save water and save land and help living beings. So if you're, if you're going to eat eggs and fish, how are you doing it? I don't want to hear you're going to buy it from the store because now you're just throwing out all your ideals. Mm. But if they go, I just adopted, I just rescued 20 hens from families who couldn't keep them or from whatever environment. And they're now, I built an infrastructure for them in my backyard. I want to go introduce you guys. This is sleepy, happy, grumpy, dopey, sneezy, bashful doc or whatever their names are. And they produce 10 eggs a day. That would be such a powerful message to send to vegan young people to say, oh my God, look how happy these chickens are, how they're friends and they're friends with dogs and cats and chickens. But the problem with the chickens is that they produce eggs and that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and it's not a problem, it's a good thing. And so, and then if you're going to be, if you're going to eat fish, at least show folks how... Here's how I do it. I go off, I spear hunt or I fish, you know, as sustainably as I can. Here's how I clean the fish. Here's how I throw the females back or I, you know, if they're too small I throw them back. And here's how I'm helping the fish population by not supporting fish from the store who are Ooh. who are growing them in farms that are hurting the planet or mass catching them from the oceans and dolphins die in the process or whatever else dies. But I'm going to go off and just catch my dinner for tonight. That's a much more, I think just stable, uh, belief system and message to be sending, but I don't see folks doing that. But here's my message: I'm I've been vegan 18 years, but if I do ever start eating fish and eggs, you will see how I'm doing it myself. I won't be going to the store and buying it from somebody making a profit off animal slaughter. So, so keep watching my YouTube for how that's going to be. Um, for now, if you go on my YouTube, you'll see I put off a lot of my meals on the videos as well, and they're all vegan meals. So go check it out. And um, coming up here, we're going to build a nice chicken coop and chicken run so we can go rescue some chickens, rescue a couple dogs, rescue a couple couple kittens, and start to have a little bit of a life out here once the yurt is finished.
0: That'll help with the, the dog will help keep the bears away.
1: I for sure. That's why we're going to get them as puppies from the pound. And we're going to get some aggressive ones like either a cattle dog or, or not aggressive, but just like more ath- athletic dogs, like cattle dog, husky, German shepherd, and raise them there from birth to be nice and kind, but also to be security. And Cause we got cougars, like the cougar stock, people have had goats around and they don't make it more than two months because the cougar eats all the goats. Yeah. We, we have Martins and a marten is like a fox that eats chickens. And um, we really have yeah, Nicole and I have to create infrastructure to protect our animals, but also live in symbiosis with them to survive out here. So that's it, man.
0: It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. You know, uh, I just want to share this one vegan story uh, that's my favorite vegan story. So Seth Poulter was, was hired. He's this, uh, he's this natural permaculturist from Europe. He was hired to do um, this design for this site, this vegan uh, community. And there was this pig, it was a wild pig that broke in to where their pigs were.
1: Mm. And
0: they had raised these pigs up and trained them, because pigs are smarter than dogs. Yeah. They trained them to actually graze around the fruit trees mm. and avoid the, the, the plants that were their food. And so mm. they, and, and I've, I've actually witnessed this. Um, a lot of the homesteading um, pigs, the smaller pigs, yeah, like dogs. You don't want to put your hand in their mouth. They'll take a finger, but you want to like, because that's what they're, they're, their mouth is just that way. But they're so sweet. They're so smart. And you can train them so they'll actually selectively eat and basically be your mulch system. That's great. And this wild pig broke into their sanctuary, and somehow the rescued pigs communicated to the feral pig what the deal was. No one knows how, but they trained this wild pig to behave, to, to eat, to be tame. And, and it's like they, they, they communicated how it was safe. They communicated yeah. how to behave, to be, to, to, to be a part of their community. And it's stories like that that I feel like really need to be understood so that people everywhere really understand how sacred and deep and and intelligent life really is. And I feel like for me, that has always been my core overlap with vegetarians and, and vegans and and even, even raw, I, I went raw for a while and, and messed up my teeth a little bit. But uh, <laughs> Kevin Gianni, yeah, actually, it was funny. Kevin Gianni was high raw, and he was like quitting and describing my symptoms. And I was like, I have the same symptoms. Yeah, I was like, I will go get, go get raw yogurt now. Because like, that's <laughs> what he did to save his teeth. And so, yeah, it was just, yeah, a lot of uh, just too sweet, too acidic stuff.
1: I, I would say I have met, I mean, there's always the exceptions to the rule, but 99% of the people I've met who have been raw vegan. I mean, if you take them for a run, they, they will tell you that they can run and they will tell you, which is a very just easy action for humans to do. Humans are born to run, you know, humans are born to run and walk and be endurance athletes, you know, and and, uh, this, I I don't know how this sounds, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Every raw vegan I've been around will tell you they're fit, they're strong, they do selfies to show their muscles. When you get next to them, even me as a vegan who's not raw, I mean I've gone raw three months, three different one-month periods. And I just know that those raw vegans, when they stand next to you, they just get gassed real quick. They don't have the muscle endurance and they just cannot keep up. They they try, they want to so bad. But something about that raw vegan diet is it's sexy to look at in social media, but when you get next to them, I mean, they're not the ones setting Olympic uh, records as a raw vegan, you know, the the vegans who eat potatoes and pastas and rices and grains and breads. And I mean, and still eat a lot of raw stuff. You got to eat your salads, your greens, your herbs, your fruits, but like there's a balance to be had and that's the artistic nature of life. It's up to you to figure out what that balance is. And that's why I say that's back to our three things, push-ups, pull-ups, and nature, because nature will give you that balance if you get out in nature every day. Just go do it, man.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was absolutely a pure delight.
1: <laughs> Hope I didn't talk too much and talk your ear off here.
0: No, no. I feel like, I feel like we could do hours together. I could, I could film you and listen to you all day. I mean, you're talking about things. More- what? Let's
1: make some more content together. If you come up here and visit, we got to do this thing in person. Come up here and visit us when we when we get some infrastructure going.
0: Okay, one hundred percent. we're due for overdue for the Robinsons, and my mm. son's friends with all, all of their kids, and so yeah, I'm supposed to film them too. <laughs> so absolutely, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Well, that was that was so perfect, and it's so amazing that you you so many people in permaculture aren't talking about the things that you're talking about, the concerns that you have. And for me, they're like the number one concerns. Mm. Um, it's like, if you don't have the meaning, the philosophy, the understanding, underpinning what we're actually doing, then you're going to always be like off target.
1: Yeah. It's like, um, I list, I used to list not anymore, but I used to listen to a lot of Tony Robbins. And he used to have a quote. He would say that really is powerful to me. You, you know, Tony Robbins, I study him all the time. <clears throat> You want to hate him at first because he's so big and explosive. But then when you really listen to him, you're like, I'm pretty pumped up when I'm listening to this guy. The only problem with Tony Robbins is that you got you to gotta understand that even though you're pumped up at the time, it still will take a long time for your goals to be met. You know, you're not going to reach your goals today.
0: You know? I temper him with like Jim Rohn and Brendan Burchard and a bunch of other things. But yeah, no, his, yeah. his recent stuff also is too many swears.
1: He, he does. He wants that shock value, like a Gary, uh, whatever his name is, that entrepreneur guy, Gary uh, V. E. Yeah, yeah. They, they cuss so much. I don't understand why they need to cuss. But my whole thing with Tony Robbins, his, his quote he used to say that I love is that um, <clears throat> you're walking really, really well. You're like walking so fast and powerful, and you got the best uh, walking stride around, but you're walking east looking for the sunset and you have to learn you have to spend some time learning that the sunset is west (laughs) you know so if you're if you're hustling hardcore and you're motivated and you got all this stuff going for you but you're walking east looking for the sunset your 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 skills are all messed up so definitely spend some time learning where the sun rises and where the sun sets so that when you do put your focus onto something you put it in the right place Is how i take that and to me, that's very powerful. It's like, slow down a little bit and realize that you've got some power in you mentally. You've got some power physically. Everybody has everybody has something they're going to be a master of. But sit down and methodically think about, okay, I have to refine this skill. I have to um, put some time and effort, which is the meaning of Kung Fu, time and effort. Put some time and effort into... Uh, forging your skill in the fires of hard work okay and then you'll know where the sun rises to walk east <laughs> you know what i'm saying um so it's like we we watch a little kid play baseball they get their first hit and they run the bases the wrong way you know you got to learn that first base is first second base you got to hit the bases and run counterclockwise around the, around the baseball diamond and uh, with gardening, that's it. You know, go out and learn what healthy soil is. Go study with some actual gardeners. You know, don't necessarily listen to a nursery. Go find gardeners who are doing it themselves at home. Yeah. And, and first off, I would say for a gardener, learn what is in your area. What are the native plants and the native trees and the native cacti and whatever? What are the native ocean plants? In your little small town, what are the native things that are edible and medicinal? Start there and then go off into nature and learn what healthy soil looks like in a forest with nature and then spend some time with gardeners who are doing it successfully at home. And that's you forging your skills and then go off there and dabble on your own. Um, and Absolutely. all of a sudden 10 years, 10 years goes by, you know, like that. And 10 years, 10,000 hours. Now you're the master and you can start kicking some butt on your own. So that's my little message.
0: Yeah. I might even but I should, go and, um, I should probably go
1: and I should probably go and get back in the boat before I miss the, the good ocean uh, current here <laughs> because it it's changes. supposed to get real. Oh my God! You have no idea. The ocean is so scary. <laughs> 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 I so our property is boat access only, so we have to park our car at the dock. This small town dock of you know hundred people live in this small town, and the car stays there. So we just got a beer a Prius that just kind of is just for doing um errands in town we leave the car there we go get all of our supplies and whatnot and we either pay a guy to put them on a barge and barge them over to our property on the government uh, dock which is the last government dock in this area still in existence the other ones have all burned down and been disassembled oh so the locals keep this dock going and um Literally, if if it's raining, I got to boat home in the rain. Or if the ocean is doing six, to eight foot swells, I have to not. I, I can't go out there. I just it's too much. So today the ocean was glass. It was beautiful, oh. <laughs> which is really fun because you're gonna sit in traffic going to work for an hour anyways. For me, I just sit in traffic in the rainforest ocean, and I the, the other day killer whales came around us. I mean, it's <laughs> freaking. Bald eagles flying over top. We get we see sea otters with babies on their stomachs. Oh, it's it's really effing incredible. And so, my commute to work is the boat ride on the ocean, which is scary and fun all at the same time. And this is really great.
0: Wow. Well, if you maybe upgrade the boat a little bit when, when the child you know arrives, perhaps maybe. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll just drag the child on a rope behind the boat. And, no, no, I'm just I'm just kidding in a pod. In a, in a pod, yeah. <laughs> teach them how to teach them how to water ski and they can just ski behind it.
0: Yeah, oh man.
1: No, but there wow. are some kids, like the other day, the neighbor has kids that are five, six, seven years old and they were so amazing. They were off on the boat, they were driving the boat, they were tying it with about the perfect, uh, like they knew how to do all the knots. They knew how to fish and crab and prawn and how to use the GPS. They were like little little beasts. I was really impressed. So. I think kids thrive and then when we got we got to the town they jumped off the boat they tied it up and they jumped on quads as like a six-year-old they all quadded away like on their atvs this is amazing. so kids in this kind of environment thrive i think yeah. kids need to get out in nature more and learn how nature works and not necessarily how to get B's and c's on their report card and more people need to see it too awesome well I'm pretty pumped up right now, so I'm gonna go walk east looking for the sunrise and make some videos about it if you guys care to watch on YouTube, but look up Jake and Nicole or Vegan Athlete on YouTube, so check it out. We will. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for all you do, and I, I first started watching your videos. You did a lot of videos for, I don't know if I can mention, for Baker Creek and all the seeds and stuff, and um, I don't know if you're still with them or not, but I was always very impressed by your videos, so you did a great job with those, yeah.
0: Thank you, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm friends with all those, those folks still. Uh, I don't well, work there anymore.
1: But I did enjoy your videos. They were really positive, really well-filmed, and I think you did a great video presence for Baker Creek there on online, so thank good you. job with that. Kudos to you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was like my first daily kind of like obligation show, and it really cut my teeth, it was awesome.
1: Nice. We'll keep it up, and we'll keep connecting here. Can't wait to talk to you again. For sure, thank you so much, Jake. Invest best to your family and to your wife and everybody who I haven't met, but I'm sure will meet them at some point. So say hi to me. Or say for hi sure. for me.
0: For sure. Awesome. And say hi to Nicole.
1: I will. She's waiting for me in there, yeah.